It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O Thunderpod at gmail.com. And if that is not enough for you to get involved with this show, you can call in. 405-362-7128, leave a voicemail, leave any topic you want to discuss or any questions, and we'll answer it on the show. And you can also leave a five-star iTunes review with a question inside of it, and it will be featured on the show. On today's show, we're going to talk about Doc Rivers accepting the job in Philadelphia. We're going to talk about what each young player for the Oklahoma City Thunder need to improve on this offseason and have our third edition of Stockwatch, second edition of Stockwatch for the NBA draft. So all of that is coming up today, and we dive in first to the Doc Rivers news that Woj broke on Thursday evening that he would be accepting the job as the Philadelphia 76ers head coach. And this is not a surprise. Really, we knew this was coming on Wednesday whenever Doc Rivers watched uh, the NBA Finals with 76ers executives, and it was known then a contract was going to be coming eventually and that Doc Rivers would be the new head coach. The question is, are the Sixers a good job right now? And so, like any decision-making process you go through, I have made a pros and cons list to the 76ers job. Pro number one is you have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, each good players in their own right, with high trade value. Because while I am not bullish on this tandem working together, I do think you can trade a young star in Ben Simmons and get a really nice return on it. I understand the medical histories, which we'll get to, but I do think that you're not trapped. In Houston, you're trapped. You have James Harden, great player. You have Russell Westbrook, who is aging poorly in the NBA and has injury issues and has a huge contract that is not going to be easily movable, and you don't have assets to attach to him to get back a a good enough return to deem trading Russell Westbrook worthy. That's not the problem in Philadelphia in terms of your top two. So that's a pro. You do have Embiid. You do have Simmons. Individually, they're both pro players in the sense of a pro and con list. And then another pro is that you play in the East. The Sixers, no matter who's the head coach next year, no matter if they make improvements to this roster or not, are a playoff team without a doubt if they're healthy in the East. So the pressure is not on you until the postseason. Now it's a dangerous game to play to be waiting around and flipping the switch. It's a dangerous game to play. But 
it allows you, if you do keep this tandem together, which no one has seen work and, and many people don't believe it can work in, in Simmons and Embiid, if you do keep them together for next season, it does give you the leeway to figure out a way to maximize them. Because a, a scuffle in January or a scuffle in March is not going to end your season. Whereas in the Western Conference, where you have every single team outside of your Oklahoma State Thunder trying to compete and trying to make the postseason, a bad month will ruin your season in the Western Conference. That's not the case. That's not the case in the East. That's a very big pro. Another one is you are not the first line of defense. You're not the first person to be blamed for all of this as a new head coach. If you're taking over that Sixers job as Doc Rivers is, you're third on the list. It was clear that Brett Brown was the scapegoat. He had been there for so long. He went through the process. He uh, lost in the postseason. He was the scapegoat. If the Sixers fail again, that now shifts over to the roster construction. It shifts over to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. If this does not work next year, one of them is getting traded. And then you get to build around the ladder, whoever does not get traded. And if it still doesn't work, then you go down and you fire Elton Brand. And you get a new GM. And if that doesn't work, then you're on the chopping block. And you saw that with the five-year deal given to Doc Rivers. So we talk all the time about Oklahoma City being an appealing job for various reasons, but one of them is stability. And I think that even though the culture in Philadelphia is not stable, what is sustainable and is stable is the fact that you are not going to be blamed until the chain of command goes through the players, then goes through the front office, and then gets down to you. And that will take five years, six years. So you'll be able to, to coach out the length of this contract. But that's all the pros that you have, really, for Philadelphia. A big con is that, again, I don't think that the Simmons and B pairing works. I think they've already hit their ceiling as a pairing together. The second con with that is the medical history. I don't trust Drell and Bede's body or Ben Simmons' body anymore to hold up and to get you where you need to go. I don't trust that you can have a season in concert in which both these players are 100% healthy. And then the largest con in all of this to me, those are some big cons I mentioned before. This is the biggest one. While Joel Embiid is a talented player, and make no mistake, as a, as a KU basketball fan, I want Joel Embiid to be incredible. I am rooting for Joel Embiid. I love his personality. I love his antics. I like watching him as a player. I am, I am not confident that there's any coach on this planet who can motivate Joel Embiid, who can motivate Embiid to take conditioning seriously, to take defense seriously, to take offense seriously, to take basketball seriously. I am not convinced there's a coach that can maximize Joel Embiid. And without Joel Embiid being maximized, you're going to get what you've gotten the last few years. And that's not good enough. All-star? Absolutely. At times, borderline superstar? Absolutely. He's not good enough to be the championship piece. He's injured all the time, and again, the motivation is not there. And you can say the same for Ben Simmons, although I think with Ben Simmons, there's an easier pathway there to fix it. With Embiid, I'm just not sure he wants to fix it. I'm just not sure who or what will motivate him. But if anyone can do it, I do think that Doc Rivers is someone who would have the best chance to. Him or Ty Lue, they had both those coaches in the running, and they picked Doc Rivers. Another con is just the contracts. You have very little assets, 
and you have some really big deals from Simmons and Bede to Horford and, and Harris. How are you going to move off of Al Horford? How are you going to move off of Tobias Harris? And then one more note on this, the five-year deal for Doc Rivers, Alvin Gentry is going to join the staff. And the biggest question for the Thunder aspect of this is, will the Thunder still trade Chris Paul or is are the Sixers still in the running in the sweep in, in the sweepstakes of Chris Paul? And this was this was uncertain when the hire looked to be Mike D'Antoni. Now that the hire is Doc Rivers, I'm not sure Doc Rivers would want to sign up to trade for Chris Paul. I will mention it's not out of the question because Doc Rivers just got done coaching Paul George, who look up what he did with Doc Rivers' daughter. Doc Rivers can clearly put personal vendettas aside. He can he can clearly put personal beefs beside to do what's best in the basketball sense. And being able to put your personal vendettas aside for the betterment of your organization or group is a huge deal. And Rivers, coaching Paul George, shows he can clearly do that. So I wouldn't rule out the Chris Paul trade to Philadelphia yet, just based off of who they called as a head coach, who they named as a head coach. Uh, but it's something to monitor. It is something to monitor. But I, I do think that Doc Rivers will do whatever it takes uh, to make the best basketball team he can make. And if that is trading out Horford and a pick or out Horford and Thibault for Chris Paul, he's going to do it. But it will be interesting to see what Doc Rivers does in this future with the Sixers. Was he the right hire? I think of, of the elk that they wanted, right? It was clear to me they wanted to make D'Antoni. They wanted a Doc Rivers. They wanted an established old retread hire. To me, it sounds like they came down to D'Antoni and Rivers and Lou. I would have gone Ty Lue, but again, they wanted a more established, older, more experienced head coach, and Ty Lue only has experience those couple of years in Cleveland with LeBron James. To me, let's nail it down now to D'Antoni and Rivers. Rivers is clearly the better pick because you are locked into this roster. You're going to be lucky to get off of that Horford contract. You're going to be lucky to get off of that Harris contract. And so when you're begging to get off of contracts, you also can't be choosing a certain style of player. You got to be accepting of the best player available, not the best player who can also fit the seven seconds or less jack up three small ball offense that D'Antoni wants to run. Rivers, I think, can be more adaptive to whatever you're able to put around him if you're Elton Brand. And as I mentioned, I think that Doc Rivers will be able to get the most of Embiid in the sense of just the pure motivation factor, which has been lacking for Embiid. So we'll see how that all unfolds. But let me tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar. And Built Bar has a brand new product called Built Bar Go. And Built Bar Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. It helps you break through the wall, whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through with Built Bar Go every day. It's easy to take and 1.5 ounce packets. Put them in your briefcase for your most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine, or in your pocket to get through the day. Built Bar Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for your body. It's like drinking a Monster Energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. They have three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. How does Built Bar Go work? Well, Built Bar Go combines energy gel with protein. Protein that is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast, plus it's easy on your stomach. 
Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite your work. With alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine, Built Go then kicks to keep me going strong. And the collagen protein promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. So visit BuiltGo.com, use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. I also want to tell you about our good friends over at DoorDash. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside of your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national chains like Chipotle, Wendy's, and Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, so just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left right outside your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities operating in a safe manner. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees your first order when you download DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order at the DoorDash app. And so we're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Is that R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So I want to talk about what the young players for the Thunder should be working towards this, uh, this offseason, mainly the young trio, the Shea, Dort, Baisley. But I'll throw in Diallo and Ferguson as well. So let's start with Shea. And to me, this offseason should be spent with Shea working on defensive intensity and the defensive end of the floor because I trust his offensive game I trust that that's going to improve as the the day goes by. And if you want an offensive thing to watch for, it would be his playmaking because I do want to see him in that point guard role and see what he can do as a point guard in the NBA. But I do want to focus mainly on the defense because he has the the length and the versatility, I think, to, to guard one through three. And I want to see that come to fruition with him locking in defensively. He reminded me a bit defensively of Russell Westbrook because you saw it in certain spurts. You saw moments from Shea in which he looked like a very good, very versatile defender, using his size to his advantage, using his length to his advantage. At times, he looked disengaged. At times, he looked like he did not want to play defense. And if you can unlock the defensive side of the floor for Shea, you are looking at a top 15, top 10 talent in the NBA. In his future, if he can play defense at the level in which his size and length would project him at, He's by far a top 15 player. He still might get there even without playing amazing defense consistently. That's how good he is. But adding that defense would be huge. For Lou Dort, it's simple. It's the shooting. Don't let Lou Dort become a consistent three-point shooter. Don't let it happen. I'm putting the NBA. You remember that tweet from, I believe, the Lakers in a preseason game beat the Warriors, and after that preseason game, they went on Twitter and said that the NBA should be put on notice after AD and LeBron made their debut. Yeah, I'm putting the NBA on notice. For if Lou Dort starts shooting threes at a 34% clip or higher, you are not going to want any of these problems from Lou Dort. He is already one of the best defenders this league has. If he adds that consistent three-point shot, which his free throw percentage indicates that he can, which some spurts inside the bubble indicate that he can, 
if he adds that three-point shot with that defense in which I've projected that defense to be the best defender we have ever seen, in a non-hyperbole fashion, I think Lou Dort can be the best defender we've ever seen. Don't let Lou Dort shoot threes. That's all I've got to say about that. Do not let Lou Dort come back here in year two, first year as a full-time NBA player for the length of the year. Do not let Lou Dort come back here with a three-point shot. You will regret it, NBA. You will regret it. You're put on notice right now about Lou Dort shooting. Moving on to Darius Baisley, I still, I know Billy Donovan's not here anymore, and Billy Donovan's the one that really spearheaded this movement and talked about this offseason, Baisley trying to bulk up a bit and trying to get into that role of being able to play the small ball five. I understand Donovan's not here. I still want Baisley to embrace that role. I still want Baisley to bulk up and be able to play the small ball five because I think that that's the best role for him. I understand a lot of people still want to see him play the three. We've only seen him play the four in the NBA, but I want to see him play the five. I get why it's appealing for Baisley to be your three, and I think that he could play the three as well. I really do. But to have his rebounding ability, mixing that with what I think is his best trait and what I think could be in five, six years an elite trait, his playmaking, mixing that rebounding and playmaking together, that is a deadly combo with finishing at the rim and being able to hit that that step back three a little bit, being able to catch and shoot threes, being able to have that small ball stretch the floor big from there, space at the five. That gives you so many options and so much flexibility. I would love to see Baisley bulk up a bit and play the five. But I do think that with Baisley and, and with Shea and Dort, you will see the Thunder start playing positionless basketball. It's too hard to lock Baisley into. Is he a three? Is he a four? Is he a five? It's too hard to lock, lock Shea into. Is he a one? Is he a two? Is he a three? It, it's too hard to, to lock these guys into certain positions because I think it will be and has to be based on matchups. In some matchups, Shea is the one. In some matchup, he's he's all the way down to the three, and it will just go from there. You know my opinion on Baisley should have been playing the five against Houston, so we will not rehash that. And then to throw in Diallo and Ferguson, because we are inclusive on this pod. Diallo, I want to see him, and I don't know how you would really work on this in the offseason, so I'm not a basketball coach, but I want to see him come back and play under control. I want to see the game finally slow down for him. Because there are flashes from Diallo, especially prior to the turn of the new year and the first year, the first game in the bubble. So prior to the turn of the new year, and then you add in the game against the Utah Jazz, you add those things together. And there are flashes from Diallo in which he can be a contributing nice bench player. And that's a word salad for any other player, but for a second round pick, a contributing role player, that's a great return on your investment, but he has to be able to play under control. He has to shoot the ball consistently which is, you can say that for everyone on this roster. They have to shoot the ball consistently. But he cannot let the game overwhelm him. He cannot try to do too much. You see him at times. He can dribble a little bit. He, he can he can play make a little bit. He can drive to the rim a little bit. But at times, his eyes get too big. At times, he wants to dunk over four people like it's a dunk contest. At times, he wants to dribble too much. He has to let the, let the game come to him, relax, play under control. For Ferguson, shooting, duh. Again, you can say that for everyone on this roster. So shooting, duh. But I do want to see Ferguson add something to his game. Good defender, decent, streaky three-point shooter. I want to see him add an ability to his game. 
Scrappy, good defender. That's good. That's good. In certain spurts, it can be a nice three-point shooter. That's good. But he's not good enough at either of those for those to be his only two traits. I want to see Baisley add, not Baisley, I want to see Ferguson add some dribbling, passing, playmaking, something else to his repertoire. I want to see him come back and be able to do something else. Or at least master one of those two, one of those two skills. At least master defense or shooting. Because right now, he does a little bit of defense, a little bit of shooting, no, no playmaking, and it's kind of plummeted his value. So I want to see Ferguson work on his game. And that is just a blanket statement. And that's why I really almost didn't include Diallo and Ferguson. But to be fair to those players, they are still young. So I'll put them in the young players category. But that's what I want to see the young players work on and improve heading into this next season, whenever it may tip off. But coming up, we will have our third installment of the Stockwatch, this time focusing solely on the NBA draft. And we'll also kick off a new segment called Fan Friday. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And so we are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod or call into the show 405-362-7128. And so I did want to head us into another edition of Stockwatch. Yeah, they're penny stocks. I told you not to sell. You did not tell me not to sell. I said the market fluctuates, remember? Well, what are you going to do about this stock? I'm keeping it. I'm going down with the ship. Celebrate with our weekly act of debauchery. And it is time for another edition of Stock Watch, where we tell you what players are moving their stock up, what players are trending their stock down. And we start with a stock up, and that is R.J. Hampton. R.J. Hampton came into this year, for me, as one of the top prospects. He was one of the top prospects on my big board coming into this year. Coming into this year, R.J. Hampton was number seven on my big board. That was back on November 5th, back whenever we were first ranking these prospects. He was number seven for me. One of my all-time favorites, R.J. Hampton was, on, on this class. He has since fallen down to most people. It's about 20, 21st ranked player right around there. To me, you look at the videos from Mike Miller, you look at how he has changed his shot, and although the Australia season did not help him, he was injured at times in Australia, although all of that went against him, you look at the new shot form, you look at the improvements he's made from these workout videos, which could be a bill of goods, absolutely, but I trust that he has made these improvements because the talent was there prior to going to Australia. He struggled a little bit in Australia, and it seems like he's turned it back around. I love RJ Hampton. He is flying back up my big board a little bit, but he still, I think, will finish out around that 20, 20th ranked prospect somewhere in there to me. Uh, and so he's made the biggest fall, but I still would love RJ Hampton in Oklahoma City. And then stock up on Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain is someone who I've watched for four years at TCU, and he's been a good player at TCU. And you know, to this point, I've always kind of seen him as a second round pick, maybe a, maybe a low first round pick. But talking to him 
realizing his basketball IQ mixed with his shooting ability. I mean, this guy is a lights-out three-point shooter. He's a versatile player who can, again, shoot the three-ball lights-out, which is a big deal. It's a very big deal in the NBA today. I don't see a way that he'd actually fall to that second round after talking to him and just realizing even that short hour-long interview, whatever we, we had him for, how much he just understands the game of basketball. And that's what you expect from a four-year player. I mean, you expect him to be ahead of the curve in terms of diagnosing and breaking down and adjusting to basketball. He's had a ton of experience. And four-year players typically fall in the draft. They typically have a bad reputation. People, in my opinion, wrongly assume that they're older, so they don't have any room to grow. And most of the time, that's a, that's a okay assumption. In the case of, of Desmond Bain, I don't think it's a good assumption for him. He has been lights out at TCU. I mean... Again, I'm someone who is guilty of underrating Desmond Bain as well. I mean, last year from three-point land, he shot 44%. For a career average from three-point land, 43%. He's done it consistently for the three-point stripe. Last year, he had his highest three-point point, three point attempts per game, excuse me, and shot his highest percentage. He has been incredible at the college ranks. Last year, the three-point line got moved back in college, and he still shot better than any of his previous three years at TCU. He has made two All-Big 12 honors in a conference that's littered with good guards every single year. Desmond Bain still was able to make two All-Big 12 teams. And I've been guilty, again, of ranking him way too low and ranking him as a second-round prospect. Talking to him, watching more film on him, digging into more information about him. This is a first-round talent. I was late on him, so his stock is going up for me. A lot of you maybe were already on the, the Desmond Bain hype train, but his stock is flying way up the board for me from TCU. Also helps that he said he loves Oklahoma City as a city, but that's not factoring in to Stockwatch because I take a lot of pride in Stockwatch of buying and selling stocks. And if you're, if you're new to this segment, we always hear the phrase, oh, oh, I'm buying all the stock of this player. Or, oh, that player's stock is way too low. I'm actually going to keep up with who I say that about. I'm going to keep up with what players I like and don't like and where I see their stock going and headed and see how my opinion of these players change down the line. And then my stock down is LaMelo Ball. I was someone who two weeks ago would have said, take, take LaMelo Ball, pick one. And he was a nice guy. He, he, was fun, he was a funny guy. He was nice. The thing that caught my ear funny was him saying he does not want to change his, his shot. And he wouldn't change his shot. He's not working on changing his shot. When it's consensus around basketball and smarter minds than me think that LaMelo Ball should change his shot. And look, it doesn't have to look pretty to go in. Sean Marion was a nice little three-point shooter. But you're not wanting Sean Marion at pick number one. And LaMelo Ball, to me, just the phrasing and being able to hear how he said it, it didn't sound like he'd be the most coachable player. But as I tweeted out, whenever we got that quote, look, we'll see what happens when an actual NBA team and an actual NBA staff get their hands on LaMelo Ball. We'll see if he changes his jump shot. But if he is hellbent and comfortable shooting this way, I'm not sure how those numbers improve in the NBA. Because he has the talent to, to shoot at an NBA level. He has the talent to be a, a very good NBA three-point shooter. He does not have the mechanics, in my opinion. But I am not a shot doctor. Maybe this will click for him in the, in the NBA. But just the phrasing and the way that it came about of him not changing a shot, a little off-putting and put a stock down for me a little bit. I'm not putting him at pick 30 now. I have more reservations as of right now at putting LaMelo Ball at number one. And we'll see where I have him in my, in my mock draft next week. But 
that's just where I'm at right now with Lone Ball is, is I'm trending downward on him on the stock watch. Let me know your stock watch for these three players. Let me know your stock watch for any of these prospects. Who are you buying in on the most? Who is your can't-miss prospect? Who is your guy in this class? Because for me, before the year, it was Cole Anthony and RJ Hampton. I can really pick them. It was Cole Anthony and RJ Hampton. And next week, we're going to get my big board 2.0, which will be the podcast's 1.0, actually. So I can look a lot smarter than I did back in November. But we'll have my new big board. We'll have my mock draft. And hopefully, we'll also have a Thunder Coach to talk about. And I did want to end this show with a new segment called Fan Friday, where I get the fans involved some way or another. And this can be any way we slice it. Look, you can tweet at the show at LOThunderPod. You can tweet at me at Rylan underscore styles. You can email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. You can call in the show, 405-362-7128. You can leave a five-star iTunes review with a question inside of it. You can do anything you need to do to get involved. If you send me a question, you'll be featured on the show and most of the time be featured in Fan Friday. So this question comes from at, and I apologize for, for butchering this last name, at Pastelweight11. And they ask Jason Kidd for the next Thunderhead coach, mentioning uh, that he did spend time in, in Milwaukee, obviously, had a good relationship with Giannis off the floor, helped develop Giannis on the floor. And I don't think that this is where the Thunder go. He mentioned that, that he's kind of having this as a pipe dream for the fact that Jason Kidd was his favorite player. I don't see the Thunder going this way. I just don't. I think that it will be an off-the-wall. You're going to get the woe notification that the Thunder have hired a coach, and you'll be saying, who? Who's this guy? Going to the internet, trying to figure out who it is. I think at best case scenario, it'll be Adrian Griffin, who you've heard of before. And other than that, it will probably come off out of left field. I don't see Jason Kidd being the hire for a multitude of reasons, but mostly because I don't know if that attitude fits Oklahoma City and what Sam Presti's trying to grow here. But he did have a great relationship with his players, and he had a fantastic relationship with Giannis, which doesn't really matter for Oklahoma City because they're not going to woo over Giannis by any means. But it just shows that he can connect to these players. Uh, and having Jason Kidd mentor Shea and whoever else you draft, would that be a terrible thing? I don't think so. I mean, I think that in a vacuum, this is a good hire. This would be a good hire. I mean, I'll tell you this much. If we do get the notification and it is Jason Kidd, I'd have the breaking news podcast and then a podcast later, I would be beating the table and beating the drum for Jason Kidd and being all on board for what he can unlock and he can do for the young players. So that would be a move that gets me excited. If that's what you're asking. Is it a move that is realistic and that I think will happen? No, it is not something I think will happen in a million years, but I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. And I've learned at this point, just never, never question or doubt Sam Prestio of what he can or cannot do. I just do not see this actually happening. So what's coming up next week on Locked on Thunder, you're going to have my big board for the NBA draft on Monday, my mock draft for the NBA draft on Tuesday, and eventually the Thunder have to hire a head coach, right? So eventually we'll have a breakdown of who the next Thunder head coach is. But until then, we will talk about the NBA draft. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-E-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Be good and be good to one another. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.